This podcast is a part of the Friends for Dinner Network. Welcome to the Homegrown Music Podcast. This week, we are talking about the 2014 album Down to Earth by Flight Facilities. Welcome everybody, welcome back, <laughs> I don't know why I said that twice. Welcome for um, the first time. <laughs> yay, well first time for any new viewers, but welcome back to the Homegrown Music Podcast, I'm Luke and I'm with Josh, Hi. how are you Josh? I'm good, I'm, I'm Josh, um, yeah no, I'm, I'm good mate, how are you? Yeah not too bad. That's good. Um, it's been a pretty interesting cu- couple of weeks, it's been two weeks since the last episode and we've been listening to Flight Facilities down to earth which was released in 2014 mm. um probably uh one of our more recent albums i think yeah definitely it's i think it's the newest one that we've covered so far mm. um yeah yeah that's a very good point yeah yeah um so like every other episode we've done josh i'll ask you first mm-hmm. what do you think of this album um this year i love flight facilities i love this album um I've listened to I've listened to this a couple of times now and the very first time I listened to it I forgot just how many good songs are on this album and I was like oh yeah, man banger after say. banger and I was like oh this is fantastic um and then you know I've listened to it a couple of times a couple of times on shuffle um I really think that it's there's there's I don't think there's any bad songs on the album um but the question I have is, is it an album? Ooh, ooh, you're already I know, out. I know. I'll, I'll come back to that as a bit of a teaser. But to, to caveat everything, I really, really love this um, as an album. Mm. All the songs are so strong. Um, and it was so hard not to feel good while listening to it. Yeah. What are you? Yeah, it's very very similar to um, Kick in that respect, where it was just, it put oh, you yeah. in a really good mood. Two good um, back-to-back, like, feel-good albums. It's, yeah, it's been great. What about you, mate? What did you think of the album? I love this album. It's, uh, if I had to, like, rank my favorite albums of all time, this would be up there. Mm. It's not in my top 10. And I have a few reasons for that that we might talk about later. Yep. But I do agree with you, especially since, like, all the songs, if not most of the songs, probably three-quarters of the songs are just amazing just like you could put them on at any point in the day or at any time during the week and it will make your day feel a lot better yeah. listening to them um and i think that has a lot to do with the way that this sounds like it's a very different sounding record to a lot of other electronic acts hmm. um a lot of its label mates are very different to this like flume yeah um, and flight facilities, even though they're on the same label, very different. Flight facilities, yeah, sound very organic, which I think gives it a lot of a um, a more. That's a really interesting good, sound. Yeah, that's a really good point. Actually, something I hadn't thought about. They do sound organic is actually a really good choice of word. I, like it, mm. it's very minimal, very clear. Like it's 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 driven and it's focused. Um, mm. Yeah, organic. Yeah, I like that. That's a good... Yeah, because I was listening to um, Two Bodies and there was a lot of it when I was listening, I'm thinking, and Marimbula, I think is the other one. 
um, where they're both very, um, like they sounded like they had actual instruments rather than sample heavy, like say the avalanches when we were listening to yeah. that, where a lot of it is sampling. I feel like this has got less sampling or if the sampling is there, it's less noticeable. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I get that. It's, it doesn't feel like there's, there's no point that I went, Oh, that's, that's a sample. Like, and if there was samples, yeah. it was very well disguised because I, I, I know a stage that I go, that's a sample or that's a sample. Um, yeah. Yeah. So listening to this album, when you listen to it, what was your, besides the overall um, good feeling that you had, mm. you mentioned just before that you didn't think of this as more of an album. Yeah. I'm interested to see why you think that. It's... <laughs> There's so many interesting things about this collection of songs, and I'm going to call it a collection of songs. Um, so the album was released in 2014, and mm. the lead single from the album Crave You was released in 2010, four years before the album was released. Mm. Um, in 2012, they released Claire de Lune, and in 2013, they released Stand Still. So there's already a large number of tracks and if you also include the fact that kylie did a reprise four of the tracks so far have essentially been released before the album was even created so so they already stand alone as kind of individual singles um so and then to kind of follow it up there's so many good songs on this album but they all feel like standalone singles interesting it's, see i yeah. i don't think i don't think i don't think so i think it's i'm the opposite hmm. i feel that this is more or maybe because i'm looking at it with a more uh uh less of an analytical lens than like I have a nostalgic this. lens yeah, yeah um especially since i feel that there's a little bit of a, an unintended story that's yeah, throughout this for sure um which don't get me wrong. Like I do agree. A lot of the songs that are on this were created beforehand, but in the, in the industry, especially now, and especially in 2014, there was this phase of, you could either be an act that released albums or an act like say Peking duck and you just release singles. Yeah. Because there are some groups that are more focused on the live aspect than the actual, hmm. um, the album aspect. And I think flight facilities are more focused on the album, but I think they're in a unique position where a lot of their songs are in the same world that they create. Like it doesn't sound like they're, they diff, they're very different. They sound like they're all made in the hmm. same studio or um, environment. Yeah. It's I, so yeah, I, there's a lot of, a lot of single, it could be just the way that flight facilities write their songs and the fact that they were writing songs as opposed to writing an album. And that's where I think I'm getting this vibe because okay, arguably things like, like Sunshine, for example, Heart Attack, uh, you know, Two Bodies does feel like a part of the album. Two Bodies does because that's a bit of a melding of styles between pop and electronic and that kind of feels like a good introduction and mm. and don't get me wrong the track list is fantastic and at no stage do i feel like it's jarring or disjointed but i feel like they would 
and it could just be the way that flight facilities are as an act. And, and like you said before, back in those kind of times, you can focus on your live performance or you could focus on slowly building, you know, a collection of songs. And it, mm. it, it, it's probably a testament that I know flight facilities released a bunch of mixtapes prior to their debut album. And a lot of their songs and, and styles came out through there. And potentially they just learned how to write really, really good singles and mm. so when they wrote an album, it was more or less just a collection of really, really good singles. Mm. Well, it I was doing a little bit of research and they actually had three other singles that they had released that they were going to be a part of the album, but they chose not to. Mm. Um, which, honestly, like, thinking about it now, yes, the songs do feel very segmented, but I feel like that that's a lot more because they're more of a electronic act mm. than more they're more djs than anything else um Definitely. because there are a lot of like if you talk about say flume flume is i would agree is very similar where there's a lot more songs that he's experimenting with and throwing them together in a collection of songs to make an album mm. rather than it being a cohesive project yeah yeah which yeah, flight facilities, maybe it's because I've seen them live and their aesthetic and the the start of this album, which is one of my favorite openings where, you know, they're telling you you're on this, your flight with them and you're going on this big experience. Mm. I, whenever I hear it, I always think of being in the kind of a seat on the plane while they're playing music or for sure I, I feel like there's a lot of different interpretations for myself that i see on this album yeah Maybe that's just because that's the way i try to look at albums if they've got some sort of theme no definitely and and i i definitely agree i don't think this is a bad album and i don't think that being a collection of songs is necessarily a negative thing um and i i think thematically the album makes sense because like like you're saying that intro track that it feels like you're strapping into the plane um, oh, fun fact. Did you know when they released this album, there was a deluxe edition where you could buy a version that came with like a sleeping mask and an inflatable pillow and some earplugs. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So it was like you were like a little plane pack. I want that. Yeah, I know. I recently, I recently got a um, a vinyl player. So now I want to get that. Ooh, and just lovely. Listen to it on on vinyl. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, how good. But yeah, I thought yeah. That, was, that was pretty cool. What do you think about the the features on this album? Because I think pretty much I bar one, I think they're all very good at mm. what they're doing, and they add to the songs that they're on. Yeah, I I hundred percent agree. I think um, not only do all the, the the acts really help the songs become the hits that they are. Um, I don't think there, there might be one track that I'm not super sold on and i wonder if it's the same one that you're thinking of but um i definitely think that the 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 featured artists really help make this album and mm. i'm pretty sure all bar one all bar two maybe a female yeah uh reggie watts and uh bishop nora yeah Nauru? Bishop. yeah Nauru. um they are the only males mm. um and I think that's kind of good because the for their style of music, especially their style of songs being very organic, having a lot of um, orchestral yeah. um, strings and um, sax and that sort of stuff, it's 
very much suited to a female voice. And when the the brass is brought in, it is brought in more in the the male led songs than it is in the female songs. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, no, I agree. And I I also think that the kind of like you're saying it, it matches the tone. But if you think about it through like the journey of this is really left field and something I'm literally just pulling out of my head right now. <laughs> but you could potentially see it as a the featured artists are essentially like the cabin crew helping I guide was, you through the, the journey. I was thinking something very similar. Or it was, you know how when you're on a plane and you kind of drift off into sleep, but you don't really like have that, you're not super conscious of who's around you. Mm. I feel like sometimes... What I got with this whole album is that there's a story that's a long lost love or there is this um, person that they have met before they left and Crave You at the end is that person, the real person that they were trying, they were, you know, the real voice. But all these other females and all these other people are either, as you were saying, cabin crew or they're what he thought of. Like the other passengers? Yeah, like there could be some really cool... And this hmm. is just my imagination talking, but a, a set of music videos or a, even like a musical of sorts where you could actually make it, you know, with different characters and all this yeah. sort of stuff. Because there is a lot of the people that come through, the characters are really strong. The featured artists are really strong and they have got strong personalities. Mm, definitely. Yeah. And it, yeah, I, I think that's a valid, a valid theory. I think it, I think it <laughs> makes a whole bunch of sense. So what song you were saying before that there was a song that you weren't a fan um, of and what song was it's, that? I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. It's the one featuring Bishop. Um, oh, uh, why do you feel? Yeah, why do you feel? I was going to say the Kylie Minogue Crave You reprise. Oh, all right. That's going to be very interesting. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, why do you feel? I. It sits in a different world to the rest of the album. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on it's, that. It's, it, yeah, everything else is kind of this relaxed or electro, happy kind of pulsy vibe. And and that sits in like a, almost a hip hop kind of, mm. it, it, it doesn't, I'm not I'm not saying it's a bad track and it is catchy, but I don't think it sits. Like you, it, if you took it out, you're, it wouldn't be, like it wouldn't make a massive difference if you took it out. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I I would I would agree. Like I'm not the biggest fan of the song, and some of these songs, I like Claire de Lune. I love the song, but I really it's been so overplayed. Well, I can't listen to it more than once. It's not only overplayed; it's the bloody Telstra song. <laughs> yeah. So for people who don't live in Australia, Telstra is one of our um tel come up uh communications. Yeah, it's the um, mobile providers like Vodafone yeah. or like Verizon. It's the big one. Yeah, and Claire de Lune is the song that they play for that, oh, which gets played a lot. Like and I love the song, but I feel the song for that particular, in that context as an advertisement, I don't think it works, but yeah. I know the song is really, really good. And it's just, I heard it when I went through the first listen. I was like, oh, shit. Now I'm going <laughs> to think, think of Telstra. Like... And then after a couple of listens, I was like, oh, no, nah, that's just gone now I, because it's a part of the album. I kept experience. waiting for it to be like, I kept waiting for it. I was like, wait, no, that's not part of the song. That's not uh, it. Oh, it's too funny. Yeah. I and now bringing up the Kylie right. Minogue. I don't think it works. 
because one, I think it's in the wrong spot in the album. Mm, I don't think yep. it should be towards the end. But also, I think it's kind of unwarranted. I don't feel like I, as an experiment with that particular song, I actually moved them around. Yep. So I moved the song. I took it off first and listened to it without the going from down to earth to the original Crave You. Yep. And I liked the transition. It still didn't feel jarring at all. Yep. Um, second time I did it with the reprise at the end. After the- and that. Correct. Yeah, and that gave it a weird, like, nostalgic slash fleeting memory sort of feel. Or it's a recording yeah. of someone that he has met on this journey or has met beforehand after he's landed. It's um, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I had this weird Mandela effect thing that I was positive that the very last track on this was the Kylie Minogue Crave You version. Yeah. And, but it, and it wasn't. It isn't. Yeah. Yeah, which I... For me, when I was listening to it, I was thinking it makes it a bit more... It makes the la- Crave You so much better with having the reprise at the end. Because the reprise is, you know, it's the replay of a particular song. And having that before, it just doesn't give it justice. Or if it is not before the actual song, having it maybe around, I don't know, like l- earlier on to kind of split up the album would have given it a bit of, I don't know... It, it felt more for the narrative that they were trying to make because there is mm. a, you know, a looping tape and taking out of a cassette. So I don't know why. And maybe this is just because they thought it was better that way. Um, well, I ask you this. Is it more of a publicity stunt rather than an actual intentional choice? Because you're not really going to say mm. no to Kylie Minogue on one of your tracks, are you? No, but... I don't think, I think for them, because they're still an indie group at this time, like they weren't very well known. In the Triple J world, they were pretty well known. And with this- I would I would say they must've been pretty yeah. big in the UK for Kylie to jump on. Or it might've been that she was a fan of their work and wanted to work with them and yeah. they just didn't know how to put her in, well, which could be a possibility. Well, what I've from what I've read, what they actually had done is recorded the actual version of Crave You with Kylie as opposed to oh, the okay. initial lead singlist. And then they did this reprise version and they liked that so much that they didn't use the Kylie Cravey version and instead just kept the single version. I think it would have been better. I think this is a, for her voice for an acapella sounds a lot better than I would imagine being on an actual song like this. Cause it's mm, I the agree. Uh, Giselle uh, Rosaletti who, um, she's from Canada, I think. And uh, they've said they've never actually met her. They've only met her online. Really? And yeah, oh. um, they said that um, they'd only met her online and that they had gone through multiple different versions, but they found with her voice in particular, it was the best. Um, yep. it, it fit the best. And I think with that song, if I was to say, you know, if someone was to say to you, which flight facility song would be the most memorable i would say it's that song that one it's crave crazy. you is the probably the most popular besides claire de lune which is on all the telstra <laughs> which which weirdly right if you think about it more australians will know claire de lune than they will crave you because they'll go oh yeah it's the telstra song yeah which is really <laughs> sad but millions of australians will know that song um yeah just before we move on um really interesting so so when this album was released like building up to the debut 
like back mm. on the Kylie thing, they were teasing that they'd done this track with a famous artist. And mm. it was literally a, a tease. Um, and there was speculation and there was an interview on Triple J where they sat them down and were like, hey, did you, is it Kylie? We think it's Kylie. Is it Kylie? And they're like, oh, well, we don't know. We're just really happy about it. And then later <laughs> that day, they released the, have you watched the clip of Kylie singing it? I remember she's on a bed. Yeah. Like, I don't remember too much about it, but she's, I do remember it. I, I kind of remembered it. So I was like, oh, I should probably look that up because I, I remembered watching it when it first came out. And it's, yeah, it's just her on this mattress on the floor in like this apartment just singing it. And it sounds identical to what it is on the album. So I wouldn't mm. be surprised if it's if it's very close to the raw audio that they've just put on the album for that. I, I don't know if it was a publicity mm. stunt or if it was... They genuinely just wanted to get Kylie on. But I mean, I agree with what you say. I don't think it should be before the actual Crave You. If anything, it should be the mm. other way around. Yeah. Um, an interesting, well, not interesting thing. I, I got it wrong. Uh, Christine Hotberg, who was for Claire de Lune, that was the one they never met. So I got uh, the, gotcha. the names mixed around. No, so my apologies to the people listening and they'll be basically like, you got it wrong. What are you doing? Oh. What are you doing? <laughs> um, Another thing that I found really interesting about this album, and I think this has become more popular, in 2015, they really, they did a live with Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, mm-hmm. which, as I've come to realise, became a lot more popular after Fight Facilities did it. Um, I know yeah. Hilltop Hoods have been doing it for years, and a lot of other artists were starting to That's get... That's a really good point. Um, they're starting to get, you know, the orchestras and stuff in to do it. And I think I've listened to that album a lot. And I, th- I think it's very, very good. It's mm. amazing. Like, yeah, the best. it's, it's a very good point that you raised. Cause yeah, I, I can't think of a whole bunch of artists that were working with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra before 2015. Mm, yeah. And it was one of those things where they included a bunch of like previous singles in and they had reworked a lot of the stuff that they were working on with a different like set um and a different uh list of like different track list and like it's weird to listen to that and then listen to this where mm. they're so similar but the atmosphere and the the context is so important yep um and for some people, like I, I really like the Crave You um, with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra just as much as um, the original because it, in the live version, it's actually Our Lights that sings the, the yeah. chorus, and she's a fantastic she's, vocalist. I've one of the notes that I wrote down when I was listening to the album is Our Lights is a good hand to have on the album. Yes, she's <laughs> she's so good. She's so versatile. Yeah. Um, and I think it's weird because having some of these other eyes, like Emma Louise is just so amazing. Good. And the saddest thing, I, for- I hate to say it, I forgot she existed. And <laughs> she was, for a while, in like 2015, 2016, was one of my favourite artists. And she was mm. really releasing really powerful music. And then to to kick off this album and hear her voice again, I was like, oh my God, this is mm. great. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah, and hearing someone like Reggie Watts, who normally is very comedy focused, oh, yeah. have hearing his you know soulful slash funky voice come through, you kind of forget that he is Reggie Watts. Yeah, right. Like you know this big guy with frizzy hair and just you know this amazing charisma. Um, 
yeah, I think with this album in particular, it's just it's just bangers. They're all bangers. It is, yeah, exactly oh, right. right. They are, it's just banger after banger. So with this, um, they haven't released an album since. Mm. It's been six nearly, years, seven yeah, years. Yeah, six years, six, seven years. Wow. This is a question I'd like to ask because I've talked to people about this before. When do you think an artist needs to release a new album for them for you to get excited and not be overhyped? Because in my opinion, like an album i would generally i'm usually pretty good with artists where it's like okay five years if you haven't released an album after five years i'm either worried for the artist that they're just not releasing anything or they're taking too long and that's just me as an audience member um listening because i'm listening to them now like they released a couple of songs here and there Mm -hmm. but i'm a little like i want obviously the next album to be just as good as the first but I'm wondering if people are going to be less enthused because of the long time between the albums, or do you think that maybe that's not the case? Maybe people are just mm. just as important, just as excited to listen to a Flight Facilities record. It's interesting, isn't it? Because because I think I think the best case to compare this to is in a couple of ways is the Avalanches. Because obviously mm. there was big hype around their album, but I think the reason there was big hype around their second album is because of the heights that the first album got to. Like it was, yeah. it was revolutionary. Mm. With this album, it is a great album, but I don't think it changed people's. Like I don't think it. It, it was a great album, but I don't think it changed perceptions enough to warrant a seven, eight, nine year gap to then still have the hype. I'm worried that if they release mm. a new album now, they've missed that hype train. Yeah. And that they, I think I'll... Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, 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 yeah, go for it. I was also going to say, I think with the Avalanches, because they went in a very different direction music-wise, mm. like they still had the, the DNA of Avalanches, but it didn't sound like mm. since I left you. Um, the singles that they've released, uh, Stranded... Um, I've forgotten what the name of the, the singles are. Give me a sec. Because it's actually, it's kind of important because they're, the singles that they released, like um, Art Boy, which has Emma Louise as well. Yep. Uh, Stranded, which has Reggie Watts again. Mm-hmm. Um, Need You, All Your Love, and then Better Than. They're all really good songs that I hope... Could it be they, another... Yeah, no down to earth situation where I, if we get a new album it's going to be a collection of their previous singles plus some newer stuff i just hope with i hope that's not the case because that would feel like a cop out with the first album i can i can leave that be because you know you don't have as many professional songs or whatever it may be you might be low on money you might have a record label that can't you know you maybe just can't get enough songs for an album by the time it's released or whatever it may be um mansion air had their most recent album and six of the songs on the album are all singles that's right that they've released previously Mm. so Um, it's not like you're really getting an album is it it's like you're just getting a collection because most of the songs on that album that were not singles were so different to the singles that were released previously for me i was like you know what you can you get this one shot if it's your first album, you know. Um, hmm. But with this, I would think if they release 
a second album and do the same thing again i'd be a little cheated because i know well you had the time and the and the you've got the backing now you have you've been touring for out however long um future classic has been going up and up and up and getting more prevalent in the music industry in australia and abroad so you would think that they would have the option to do so how important is releasing albums these days this is my real question because is there Mm. actually money in it Spotify and streaming services being what they are compared to what it was back in 2014, is there actually any value in putting forward a physical album? Is it's it, interesting. Is it easier <sighs> to release a, a consistent stream of singles and never fall out of... Like, like if you, if you well, really Peking think Duck about it, is yeah, the perfect example of that's that. That's what I was about to say. I was like, Peking Duck, that's, that's what they do. And, and, but they, and they're yeah. just still relevant. This, yeah, mm. but all their all the money that go from the singles go into their, their live, live shows. shows. Their and live shows, that's are where insane. they make all their money is in their live shows. And I'm, it'd be interesting to talk to the guys from Flight Facilities and figure out what the way they think is. I think they're more like producers where they actually just make songs. They take it out on the road sometimes. Um, very similar to say, um, Touch Sensitive or. Yep. Flume Flume is a lot more is becoming more more producer heavy, yeah. but he's still like a artist. Um, but with Flight Facilities, I'd be interested to see what they've been doing during their time off, not off, but it's time in between albums. Because it might not be that you know they might tour, and that's where they get most of their stuff is through DJ sets and remixes mm. and it's and all that sort of stuff. I, I have know. a feeling that, and this is just a. A hope, maybe, maybe more than a feeling that because of the way the world is at the moment with COVID, that once everything, once the vaccines are out and everything finally returns to some level of normal, we're going to have a massive resurgence of artists and albums and touring. Mm. And it's because because I think I think we've realised that the live music scene is is important not only to us as fans, but also artists when it comes to making money. Because mm. that because they can't get album sales anymore. That's not really a, a revenue source. Mm. It's streaming, yeah. and they get undercut. So, I think that when everything does go back to normal, and, and not just Australia, I would say worldwide, bands mm. are going to be like, "Let's go, let's hit the road now, let's do it." Well, there have been some bands that have, and I think, like especially in Western Australia, there's been. You know, bands have been able to tour around Western Australia for a while now because of the way that they've been able mm. to deal with their but like, their COVID stuff. But like, I would say that Australian artists will will like, for example, some bands will need to go to the UK to really hit their tour mm. scene more so than Australia, and vice versa. There'll be artists and acts from the UK and the US yeah. that need to come to Australia, yeah, to really especially make that tour. festivals are going to come back in it exactly the force. Yeah, like I know that with Splendor which is for people who don't know, Splendor and the Grasses are uh, Glastonbury or uh, Coachella. Like it's the biggest festival in Australia yeah. every single year. It's middle of the year, about June-ish mm-hmm. or July. Um, but like the names that they've got for that, they've got Gorillas, Tyler, the Creator, and I think it's the Strokes. Yeah. Oh, it's, or it's um, or it's Flume. I don't know if Flume jumped out. But anyway, um, with like flight facilities... When I saw them, I saw them live with Groove on the Moo mm. um, in 2018. And I remember listening to them thinking, this is what, like, I imagine, like, it was just amazing listening to them live. 
And mm. I think they are a band that you need to go and see live. And I think you can really... They, the justice doesn't just be in their, you know, albums. I think you need to listen to them live. There are some acts where I'm like, you know what? They don't sound as good live as they do on the album. MGMT. You, yeah, MGMT are one. Um, I can think of a couple of others, but yeah. Flight Facilities, because of the way they structure their sets and... The music itself is not really jumping, like moshing sort of music. It's you know you're with your mates and you you had a couple of beers and you you know you're slowly dancing or just it's, grooving. It's yeah, yeah, it's it's and, and it's, it's part of the reason I love Flight Facilities is because mm. they they produce this consistently good music that that you can listen to and focus on, but you can also have in the background and and you're gonna get the same feeling either way. It's it's fantastic. I really mm. enjoy them. Mm. So, we're coming to that part of the uh, mm-hmm. of the podcast where we ask for some favorite songs. Um, do you have one or two favorite songs? Well, can I? I thought of a question. Can I ask a mm. question oh, before yeah, we jump ahead. in? And it's it's something I feel like maybe we could look at, mm. and it's it's gonna be tricky. But well, well, it's mm. not really tricky. But it's based off what we were just talking about, and albums no longer being as prevalent because of streaming. Mm. Oh yeah, by all means. Um, I really like the album artwork for oh, this. Oh yeah, it's actually on my wall for the audio listeners yeah. in my bedroom. It's actually on my wall because mm. it is one my top ten favorite like album covers for me yeah. personally. So I, I thought it would be interesting to mention the album artwork each week potentially. Oh yeah, um, no, that would be good. So I was I was just going to ask you, what do you? I know that it's I, I know that you've said it's on your wall before, but what do you think about the album cover? Like, like what do you like about it? I think for some albums, and I think this is a general thing for me. Uh, I like an album cover that either presents the themes of the album mm. or um, creates this little like. It, it, the best way to describe it, it's a poster for the album. Like mm. a movie poster, a lot of good movie posters, you know, sell you on the album and on the movie. And with this in particular, like the fact that it start like there's a plane on the ground, it's in the middle of the desert. Um, it's very simple. It's not too extravagant like some album art, art can be. Um, it's an old, I can't, remember the model of the plane i think my brother probably wouldn't know it but (laughs) the model of the plane is you know from the 1940s or 50s and it's you know old school which makes sense it shows like having the plane especially you know gives it that little you know it's old school but it could be a little you you know it's kind of nostalgic but um also could be a little retro as well which this album does feel a little retro at times definitely um and it's simple. I think that's one of the biggest things about it that really translates into the music itself mm-hmm. is that the album cover is simple and the music is simple. It's nothing too complex. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with you. I, I really liked it because like you said, it's thematic. It matches the album. There's no like the plane obviously is, is a big tie into the band and, and also the, the theme of the album. But like you said, the simplicity and it's it's also very inherently australian the desert yeah. sand with that dusk dark sky those kind of those rich yeah. gradients of blue 
It's and the very orange, the orange mm. like Australian outback sand yeah. as well. I, I just think, yeah, I just think it's a fantastic choice mm. of of album. And it, it and like you said, it's you know it is an, it's like a movie poster. It's an advertisement. And if I saw that, I go, that's really cool. I would be also for um, if you haven't seen them live, they actually do wear one of them is in the cadets. Oh really? Uniform, and the other one is in a 1950s pilot's uniform, like what you have in World War II. They That's actually great. wear the outfit, like they're actually pilots That's when great. they come in, and they're set up. And the way that it's like their main um, deck is actually set in a very similar way to what it would be if you were in a plane, like a cockpit. Like it, yeah, a cockpit. It is. That's one of the reasons why I love this group a lot is because they they dedicate themselves to being the flight facilities. Yeah, and it's like that you know, Daft that, Punk mentality, right? It's yeah, like the yeah, you're committed to your gig. Yeah, and it's not even just like committed. It's also it gives it another worldly quality that other people wouldn't think about. It's mm. just you know, um, I've described this to a couple of people um, where. Every single time I listen to a piece of art, I feel that it creates a little world around what it's what it is. So in flight facilities, it's around this idea of air travel and um, the idea of you know flying and thinking about memories and all this sort of stuff. And hmm. being characters in that world themselves really does make the, me feel like they think a lot about the music they create. They don't just make music for people to dance to. They make music so you can feel it while you're dancing or while you're listening to it yeah so i like it yeah i that is a good segment josh you can bring that up each week. oh thanks mate yeah Woo-hoo. so <laughs> <laughs> so um favorite songs do you have one or two favorite songs this was hard because instead <laughs> of struggling to find one or two i'm struggling to cull it back to one or two because there's so well, many i'll good- give you three I'll give you three, no, Josh. I, I know that's mm, a bit harder, but okay, okay. I'll give you three. So, I think we might have some overlap, so that might actually help you a little bit. Yeah, I, look, definitely. I, I feel like there will be some overlap here. Um, I think... Do you, want, do you want me to go first? Yeah, do you, do you you're have having some... so much... Yeah, I do, actually. Okay. I've got um, like, yeah. I want to know what so, you say so I don't say those ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Marimula is my yeah. first one uh, because one... In university, I did do a assignment where we had to make a, a DJ set, and I used Marimbula as a part of my set because the whole theme I created was Australian artists, yep. um, Australian music, um, and I just really like how it's it sort of goes between this city in the start, police, mm. you know, police cars driving by. It gives this sort of um, weirdly American. Um, vision yeah of like la or something like that and then the music itself is very driving there's a lot of it's not too busy but there's enough where it's giving you a lot of stuff coming at you but it doesn't feel like you're overwhelmed which is kind of good definitely um it's just a really good instrumental track and that's one thing that i think five facilities do really well is instrumental tracks Mm, definitely um the second one was going to be Down to Earth because Down to Earth is just 
it's yeah. just a banger this, it's just really really good that was gonna be that was definitely on my on my list um, oh okay <laughs> no but no that's good that's good because i can take yeah. that off i know that it's on the list now of favorites so yeah it's good also the music video i was gonna say how good is the music video oh it's so good sam rockwell what a man oh, sam rockwell and he's such a good dancer too he is. Like, it's it's i mean oh. for those who haven't seen it it's essentially weapon of choice and um christopher walken but with yeah. flight facilities <laughs> and sam rockwell like it's yeah. it's that same kind of aspect and i love the fact that sam rockwell actually knows how to dance too like he's, he's so into trade. it yeah um for a lot of the music the songs on this album there's some really good music videos sunshine's mm. a really good one as well um but yeah uh and my last one was crave you the yep. um but which it, i actually and we've talked about this before it's one of my top 10 it's one of my top 10 favorite songs of all time yeah it is just it puts me in i can listen to this on repeat for days and i still won't get sick of it yeah it's so um, good yeah and seeing it live i was like tearing up a little bit like i get to hear it live <laughs> As you know, a lot of people do when they hear one of their favorite yeah. songs live. So no, great. Okay, cool. That that helps because it eliminates <laughs> eliminates some of mine. So, um, one of my favorite songs. Well, I, I, I'm going to give two. I'm going to give two because yeah, I'm going to give two. So my first, I would say, is Heart Attack. Ooh, good choice. Um, featuring Allies. It's it's one of those sleepy kind of slow burning tracks and mm. the more i listen to it the more i look forward to it every time i was listening to the album mm. so it was how i knew that i was enjoying it because every time it came i was like yes cool love this song it's great yeah. um down to earth was going to be um another one and it's still on my my list of three for sure because it is fantastic mm. um but the other one I'm going to have to go past because it is so hard to not listen to this song and feel happy is Sunshine yeah. by Reggie Watts <laughs> because it is just the best. It's oh. it's it's the song I think besides Crave You is the song I come back to more and more. It's it's a song. Yeah. If, if I think of listening to songs outside of just listening to the album from start to finish, I would li- probably Crave You would be the song I listen to the most. But the second most would definitely be Sunshine. My Reggie Watts, featuring yeah, Reggie Watts. My fourth one was Two Bodies because Two Bodies. Yes, there was also really on my list good. as well, but I was like, it's it's so. You hard. know what? We're gonna put that in. That's going on the playlist. <laughs> it's yeah. <laughs> I can. It's my podcast. It's I can true. do whatever I want. It's true. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, that's hey, very very true. The other look, yeah. I I personally did like the Kylie remix, but I appreciate that it doesn't really do enough for me to warrant being a favorite. I think I just liked it. Mm. I, I don't know. Kylie's one of those singers that I have to hear her in a certain way. Otherwise, it just doesn't click. It's Kylie. I think, surely Kylie's on our radar for a future album review. Yeah, of course. We have to talk about her because she's pretty. She's Kylie. Yeah, not just popular, but she's omnipresent like <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. She is. But for me, uh, like her voice is very... There's some artists in this world where I'm like, I respect what you do. I just don't like the way you sing a lot of the time. I feel with is her, it, she's just... It's very nasally. It's the, it's that's, very the, nasally. that's the thing for me. And uh, for the audience listeners, and Josh knows this, I was a singer for a long time hmm. and, and still sometimes, not so much now, but like na- getting rid of nasal um, singing was a very big part of doing musical theatre. And I've just come accustomed to, I hate 
people who are just really nasally. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of distracting for me. I, it's one of those things it's, where I listen to it and I'm like, if it's too much, it's it, it's kind of distracting. But it, that's just me. It definitely works in the world of Kylie, but when you take her mm. outside of the world of Kylie, it, it it's yeah. de- definitely is noticeable. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. She's, she's had some songs where like I've enjoyed them, but they're Kylie songs. So mm. it works better for her in her world than it is for the world of flight facilities yeah but you know it's still a good song nonetheless it, yeah Just, exactly right. yeah it's not like and it's not a song that i would take off the album but it is a song i'd move around just for narrative reasons yeah but um yeah so overall what would you rate this album i would give this 7.5 okay out of 10 because it's a really really good album um, and I really enjoy listening to all the songs, but the only criticism that I have, because this is a, a conversation about albums mm. and my thoughts are that it's, it's more of a collection of singles than it is an album. So I have to take some points away for that. But that being said, it is a fantastic collection of songs. Mm. I am going to give it an 8.5. Nice. Um, it's... There's a little bit there, but it's probably a point there for nostalgia purposes. It's one of those albums that um, 2013 and 14 was when I started to really look for music that I enjoyed and I really like loved. Yeah. Um, and the singles got me obviously into the album and Flight Facilities, I've been listening to them since uh, Foreign Language. So that's mm-hmm. been 2011, so a Ages. long, long time. Um, but I feel this is an album where I could say that this is what Australia has the potential to do yep. and is not influenced by anybody else. You know, we talked about in the Avalanches episode that it doesn't feel Australian, that it mm. kind of sounds worldly. This is an Australian album, 100%. no question. And this is a, like this is the sound that Australia would make. You put this anywhere else, it would have a not as much of an impact. So definitely. Yeah. So my other question is, would you think that this is a classic or could be a classic down the line? This is this is the hardest album that we've come across yet to determine whether it's a classic or not. Mm. Because potentially we're too close to it. If I think about it, and, and this is purely dependent on whether or not Flight Facilities release a second album. Mm. If they release no further albums, then I would say that this is a classic. Yeah. My fear is that if Flight Facilities release a second album, it waters it and it's not up to the hype that potentially it'll have being, you know, seven years later plus, mm. it might water down how great they were. Mm. It's, I, I, ag- yeah. I agree with that sentiment, but I feel that like, this album, because it is such an anomaly when it comes to electronic releases, there's a lot of artists that have been around the same time as what they released yeah. and still are that are very dance heavy. Peking Duck, Fisher, um, Flume is another one. Yeah, which is kind of my point because if mm. they release a second album, they might not be that anomaly anymore. Mm. They which- might veer into that dance or they might feel like a Fisher or a Peking Duck. And that's my fear. Because if they do release that second album, it's going to change the way I think about the first album because they changed what made them so good. 
Okay. I see what you mean. Mm. I personally, I feel it's a classic for me. And mm. that's might be because of my nostalgia for the album. Um, taking out the nostalgia though, I feel like later on, this album is going to be looked back on very, very fondly. Um, there'll be some groups, there's some groups where you go, you know, they released one or two songs and you go back to them and you're like, oh, wait, no, these songs are amazing. Yeah. Uh, Bag Raiders is oh, a yeah. band that I Very think cool. of when it comes to coming back to them. Um, and even with Flight Facilities not releasing an album, or even if they do, I just hope, like, my only thing with a new album would be it's themselves and they don't cater to anybody else and they try something different. If they don't, and still go with the same vibe, but are still flight facilities. I don't think I would take it against them to be like, ah, oh, that wasn't as good of an album, but I still love the first one. Like I, that's mm. my only thing is like, as long as they don't, uh, sell out in air quotations where they've done, I don't know. I, I can't really think Big of too many tracks. Like, yeah, yeah, that's, I can't think of too many Aussie artists that do this. Um, maybe like an international artist like say a Coldplay where they kind of gave up a lot of their personality and charm to be more in the popular sphere that would be my only worry but I feel like with this album and the songs that they've released afterwards I don't think that's going to happen like with um especially with the um like Artie Boy and Stranded which god that is a song where it makes me cry every time and it, it is talking about stuff that you know, is a bit stronger in themes than any other dance act out there. So now, would you so so would you say that it's a classic? Or would you say it will be a classic? I, I'm saying it's a classic now. My opinion okay. may change in coming years, but I think it's a classic. And and taking my nostalgia hack hat off, I still think it is. Because whenever I think of electronic albums in the past 10 years that have like shown the Australia that I know and love. This is mm. one of the albums. Mm. Um, Flume has obviously come up and the avalanches have come up, but I don't think there are too many artists out there that I could say with a, a da- I'm talking about dance and electronic artists in particular. Mm. Um, that would be just as relevant. Like, as we've seen, Claire de Lune is now a Telstra ad. Telstra like, ad, exactly. Like, it's a classic is, just for that. Really. Yeah, and <laughs> they and they also started or helped to popularize this idea of um, working with orchestras. That is a very weird thing to do for an electronic act. Nobody would do that. The only one I could think of that did that beforehand was Hilltop Hoods, which is a hip hop group. So. Hilltop Hoods, that makes that's a bit interesting because it's, you know, hip hop. But with this, it made the experience even better. Mm. And I missed out on that show. I really wanted to go and see that live with the Melbourne Orchestra, but I just couldn't get in. Mm. And like I've seen them live, and they're an act that would be, I hope, stay around for as long as, say, a ballpark music yeah. or a tame and parlor, where they release more albums. And who knows? They might not. They might just, you know, go on producing or whatever. I just hope they're still making stuff and still enjoying making the music and not, Mm. you know, pressuring, getting pressured into um, the money. Yeah, I I think that I'm, I'm trying to think because it's really hard because I think at the moment 
is this a classic album in the, in the landscape and the scope of Australian music? Is this a classic? Right now, I don't think it is. But I think it will be. Okay. That's my answer. I think that yeah. given time, I think that Australian music, especially electronic music, is is like all things, it trends. Like 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 mm. Fluoro came back and and all you know, the eighties came back, the nineties came back. When we come around again and electronic music repeats this cycle and it falls closer to a style of that, you know, early the first half of the two thousand and tens. We're going to look back at flight facilities and go, wow, that mm. was incredible. But I think right now it's it's too lost and too... It, it doesn't quite have that classic reputation just yet no, for I, me. I can, I can see with that. Like, you have mm. artists like the presets, which have classic albums. That's got, their belt. Yeah, exactly right. But Straight away, you're like, bang, this, classic. And this is where, like, the conversation of when when is something a classic or when is it not a classic. Mm. Um, but I feel for me, because... I think when I think of classic albums, I think of albums that are omnipresent or stick with you for longer than you think. Hmm. Um, and like, there are other acts that do very similar stuff to Fly Facilities. Rufus DeSalt are a very similar group who do, they're more on the dancey side, yeah. but they still have elements of flight facilities. Yeah. Um, I'd pay that. And even like all of the people on the, you know, um, the future classic label that they're on, um, they've got touch sensitive, which has a lot more of an eighties vibe, but still has that organic feeling like flight facilities hmm. or a flume who is gone a lot more experimental, but is taken on. I feel like flight facilities are like a very similar to an avalanches where a lot of their style or a lot of the aspects of their work is taken. Yeah. Uh, not taken, but are an inspiration for other acts to go through and doing more of their stuff. Because like with Rufus DeSoul, they were very dance heavy. And then in the last couple of years, they've become a bit more um, similar to flight facilities where they've had more uh, organic um, instrumentation added in. Um, or you have someone like a Chet Faker who is gaining a lot of that um, cinematic undertones like flight facilities already have um but you know it, it it's hard it's hard for us to say and it's hard for other people to and i imagine a lot of people would say oh this is not a classic or it is um i feel like though as this is an album that is just it's just really good and i think that's all it really matters a classic hmm. album just needs to be a really good album that stands the test of time and i think as you said you think it's going to last and i personally think it's already there now but who knows if you That's came it. back to me in five years i might have a different answer yeah could be could be completely different yeah i could That's take that classic label off but right now it's pretty stuck it's on, on there. there it's all it's on there so thank you for listening to our nice little ramble at the end it was a <laughs> li this this episode's gonna be a little longer than normal normally we're not this long but i think it's a very good discussion and hopefully we have more discussions like this in the future. Mm, definitely. Um, definitely. Definitely. So Josh, where can the people find us? Well, the people, you can find us. Hello people. Um, if you would like to find us, uh, there's a couple of places you can find us. Uh, check us out on Instagram at the homegrown podcast. Um, you can also check us out on our, uh, 
our web page. What are those? Website. That's the word I'm looking for. Wow. <laughs> How do you forget that? Uh, website. That's <laughs> www.friendsfordinner.net. If you have a question for us, um, like I said, we will read anything out. We're going to be pushing this pretty heavy on socials coming up. So uh, <laughs> mailbag at friendsfordinner.net. Um, and you can also listen to us uh, where we get your podcast and also on our website. Nice. So next week, we I had a epiphany today. Okay. where I had the choice between two albums. And recently with, if you don't know, Melbourne's gone back into another lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, or Woo-hoo. Victoria has. And I thought because people are getting a bit angry and because some people just want to let out some of that energy, we are going to do one of my favorite metal albums, Let the Ocean Take Me by Amity Affliction. Nice. Now, Warning to people if you want to listen to the album before the episode, it is a bit more on the metalcore screamo, as some people would say, type of side. So it is a bit more uh, harder to listen to, but after a couple of listens, you will get used to it. I, I swear, it is a really good album, and there's something that, like, I know Josh is not super familiar with, but I am. It, yeah, I'm excited. Become, yes, so we're going to be doing Amity Affliction. I'm very excited. Um, this is one of the metal core slash metal band, Australian metal bands I've gotten into over the last couple of years. So it'll be a great listen. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Like, like Luke was saying, it's definitely not something I would usually focus on, but I've heard Amity songs before and I've, I've really liked them. So I'm looking forward to listening to the album and seeing what I think. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, um, see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.